Pastor Jack and Pastor Jason has walked us through Colossians chapter 1, chapter 2, and the first 11 verses of chapter 3. This morning we're starting Act 2. The first act was Love Jesus, and today we're starting in Act 2, Love People. We were talking about that just before we came out after, before the services this morning. We said, you know, it's really kind of a message we could preach every Sunday. Just love people. And as I was putting this together and as I was thinking back over my life, there's just a, a, a whole flood of emotions and thoughts and feelings and situations that was just kind of overcame me. And I thought prior to preaching this morning, I could have shown you the clips of the tsunami victims, because we're talking about compassion today. I could have shown you the clips from Katrina, <clears throat> the awesome devastation that happened in New Orleans. I could have shown you the clips from the results of the earthquake in Haiti and all of the devastation that's going on there. I actually could have showed you some of the kids in Nicaragua that basically live out of the garbage dumps, and that would have moved us. But I chose not to do that because in just a few moments, I'm going to incorporate all of you here in not necessarily a human video, but a human participation called the compassion exercise. Because when we come to this concept of compassion, I believe that, that we are going to be checking our compassion level today. And we're going to be sharing with you some things that I think is going to change your environment. I believe it's going to be some things that will change our lifestyle it will change our world, and it's going to make a tremendous impact where you live, where you work, the school that you attend, people that you're around, your family situations. And as I was given this assignment to deal with one verse, I only had one verse to work with this Sunday, but I started in verse 12, and the very first word in there was something that really grabbed a hold of me, and so that's where we're going to settle in this morning under this whole understanding of compassion. You see, the Apostle Paul had been talking to the church at Colossae, and he was, had been commending them. He said, I, I appreciate your constancy. I, I appreciate all of the things that you have been doing. And then he moves into this concept around chapter 2, the, the verses 9, 10, and 11, and he says, but there's some things that, that I want to talk to you about because my goal is that you begin to search for the heart of God. And in doing so, there's some things that you're going to have to, to put off. And he encourages them by calling them the elect, the beloved, chosen of God, favored by God's love, consecrated for God's service. But he says there's some things that you're going to have to take off. You're going to have to remove. And he starts talking about anger, and he star starts talking about malice, and he starts talking about bitterness, and all of these things that had been a part of their lifestyle, even though they were doing good. And even though he was excited about what their future was holding, he said, there's some things you have to take off to go into the spiritual development of following Jesus. And then in the beginning of verse 11, he says, now there are some things that you're going to have to put on. And he begins to talk to them, talk with them about some of those things. If you have your handout this morning, there's a couple of definitions I want to share with you so you'll have a basis for where we're going today. First of all is the word compassion. The word compassion means a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who has experienced a misfortune. 
accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. That's compassion. Environment is the combination of surrounding things, conditions, or influence, the social and cultural forces that shape the life of a person or population. And as Pastor Jack alluded to a few moments ago, following tonight, there are going to be some people who are going to need compassion. Whether you have one jersey on or the other jersey on, come tonight and tomorrow morning. There are going to be some people at your workplace that really need a hug. And they need somebody to say, hey, that's okay. A couple of weeks ago, I had breakfast with a, with a new pastor at First Alliance. And uh, Mark and I were talking. And I said, well, where do you come from? He looks at me and he says, I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, he's only, this is about his third Sunday in church. And I said, Mark, this could be the shortest pastorate you have ever experienced. Because here's what's going to happen. If he will take off his Packer shirt and put on his Steeler shirt, they may just show him some compassion. If he doesn't, he will be living in a hostile environment. So with that in mind, I want to share with you and begin with your, with your handouts and talking about compassion. Compassion will reveal a new lifestyle. Compassion will reveal a new lifestyle. In fact, Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress. And, and if you're circling, used to circling words, I want you to circle that word dress because that means it's our responsibility. I don't know about you, but when I got up this morning, I had to dress myself. Most of you who have come today got up today and you had to dress yourself. That's your responsibility. So he says, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. You see, when we talk about compassion, we have to understand this. And if you will stay open with me this morning and, and work with me on this message, it's something that is a challenge for us. But friends, I can tell you, if once we get it, once we get it, it will change our lifestyle, and it will change the environment around us. So when we look at this whole concept of, of compassion, we understand this. What we do flows out of who we are. We cannot separate being and doing. Now, there are a lot of you in here today, including myself, in fact, all of us are B.C. children before Christ. We came into this world in sin, shapen in iniquity, and before Jesus came into our life, that's a B.C., before Christ. 
Now, some of us were some pretty ornery critters before Christ. If you just do a little flashback of your life before Jesus, you would, you would have to say, yeah, man, I, I did some crazy stuff. I was wild. I was just, I was way out there. Because what I was doing was flowing out of who I was. You can't separate being and doing. So if we are a follower of Jesus and we're walking this course of revealing Jesus, then we're only going to be able to reveal who we are. We're only going to be able to reveal what is contained inside of us. And the interesting thing about compassion is it cannot be coerced. It cannot be dictated. And it's not something that you can charge to someone else's credit card. It becomes our responsibility. It's something that the Apostle Paul felt so strongly about that when he said to them, here are the things that you have to take off. But if you don't put something else on in place of that, then you're going to stay right where you are in your growth with Jesus. But if you'll put these things on, and he speaks of compassion and kindness and humility. Now, I only want to say just a word about humility because sometimes there's a misunderstanding of what humility really is. Humility is not self-disgust or self-depreciation. That is not required for humility. What humility is, is when you and I enter the kingdom of God, consecrate ourselves for His service, but really don't care if we get the attention or not, or if we get the affirmation. And I understand everybody needs to be affirmed at some point in our lives, and I was so thankful we had the opportunity to acknowledge Dave and his work and, and his 18 years of service here. But, but understand what I'm saying. Humility is moving into the kingdom of God, doing what God is asking us to do, and not looking around for somebody to pat us on the back and say, attaboy. That's humility. So when we look at this whole thing, we realize that because what we do flows out of who we are, we have to do a self-check. Now, here's the thing. In the world around us, and the world that you work in, and the place where you go to school, and even some of your family relationships, here's the thing that we have to deal with constantly. It's called responsibility ethic. And it goes something like this. I am responsible for my life. Other people are responsible for their life. There is no reason to help them. Their actions and choices created their situation. Therefore, it's their fault. And if this is what we live, and if this is how we act, and if this dictates our attitude, our environment is going to be really, really, really messed up. Because it is totally contradictory to what the words of Jesus tell us. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you see your brother stumble, stop and pick him up. Bear one another's burdens, 
and therefore you are fulfilling the law of Christ. You see, it's more than me. It's more than just about me. But it's something that we all look back in our lives and we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, were there times when I really didn't show compassion? I take you back to the seventh grade, my seventh grade. And a young lady by the name of Janet Strickland. And somewhere in the course of that school year, there was gossip, there was a rumor. Somehow it got started that Janet had cooties. <laughs> now, nobody ever knew if that was true. But the rumor got started. Janet lived in the country. In fact, she was on the same bus that I rode. And I have to tell you this. Every morning when we, she would get on the bus, the kids, seventh graders... They can be cruel. God love them. They can, you know, when you say God love them, you can say anything about anybody. God bless their heart. They were stupid. I mean, you, it just gives you license to do that. But, but these, when, when she got on the bus, the kids would, would scoot over so she couldn't sit by them. Or they would withdraw like this, like, oh, don't touch me. And, and she became known as the cootie girl. She would get off the bus at school, walk down the halls, and the kids would move like this, or back away, or do something like this because they didn't want to touch the cootie girl. You see, I was a bystander. I have to admit, I did not take her side. I didn't stand up for her. And, and this went on seventh grade. It went on the eighth grade. And, and later years when I got into ministry and somewhere in my teaching of, of forgiveness and asking forgiveness, somehow God just, just hit me in the heart. He said, remember seventh grade, Janet Strickland? This young girl that every morning she got up, she had to face the accusations and the insults of being called cootie girl. Every time she walked down the hall, she had to drop her head, and she tried to smile. She tried to put on a smile like, it doesn't bother me. But inside this seventh grade girl, I knew as I got into the ministry that her heart was being torn in two because of the fun that was being made of her. And I remember at that time, and even to this day, I remember at that time saying, God, if you ever would allow me to cross paths with Janet Strickland, the first thing I would do would say, please forgive me, because I did show no compassion to one of my peers. My question to you and I this morning is this, where is our compassion level? I'm going to ask you to join me in doing this exercise. It's a little different than what you're used to, but everyone can participate from the gallery, the balcony, all around, down on the main floor. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you five questions. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on someone sitting around you or in front of you, behind you, anywhere in that general area. 
If you have someone that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, a, a co-worker or someone that, that, that you've crossed paths and you know this has been difficult, I want you to focus on that person. Now, don't make it obvious. Don't turn and do one of these. Okay? That, that's not going to work. But as serious as this is, I want you for just a moment to take this compassion exercise. And here it goes. Are you focused? Somebody around you? Front, back, sides. I want you to focus. Put them in your mind. And here's the question. Or here's the statement. Just like me, this person is seeking some happiness for his or her life. Just like me, this person is seeking some happiness for his or her life. Number two, just like me, this person is trying to avoid suffering in his or her life. Just like me, this person is trying to avoid suffering in his or her life. Number three, just like me, this person has known sadness, loneliness, and despair in his or her life. Number four, just like me, this person is trying to fulfill his or her needs. And number five, just like me, this person is learning about life. I would like to be able to be a mind reader and to just understand what's going through our minds right now. Because in the last few moments, we have taken the focus off of ourselves. And we've focused on somebody else around us. And all of a sudden, it's dawned on us that there may be somebody around you and I today who has experienced the sadness, the loneliness, the despair, who's tried to avoid the suffering, trying to fulfill their needs, and learning about life. And I trust the feeling that you are sensing this morning is this, that, that God is saying to you, now I've got someone else I can pray for. You may not even know their name. They're sitting around you this morning. You may not even know who they are. But it's important to understand, especially church, especially in the body of Christ, we have to show compassion. And I could have went back a number of years, and I could have spent this whole entire morning just talking to you about all of the opportunities of compassion. Because you see, not only are you responsible and you have opportunity, but if you've been in ministry very long, you have these opportunities that you stand beside the casket of someone who's lost their spouse, 
or their child. You sit in that hospital room and you put your arm around that wife whose husband lying there on the bed has taken his last breath, went home to be with Jesus, but the wife turns to you and asks, what am I going to do now? And church, there are people in our paths that are hurting. There are people in your workplaces. You say, oh, but but Pastor Don, I don't see anybody. They're all laughing and cutting up and making jokes. And that's just the thing. See, that's the surface. That's the facade. But a lot of those people deep down inside have loneliness and despair and hurts. So compassion will reveal a new lifestyle Compassion will require a new heart. If you and I are really going to get in this compassion mode, it's going to require for us to have a new heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. To reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And again, if you circle words, I circled heart and mind. The Lord searches the heart and examines the mind. Now here's how this works. You see, our works can be so good, we never stop to recheck our heart. We get in this works mode and we get into this understanding that I'm doing this and this and this and this and this and yet we never take time to stop and say, is my heart really lining up with the heart of God? Because this is what takes place. God saves and converts our spirit, which is where our heart resides. But our mind resists being transformed. That's the biggie. God wants to change our heart, but our mind is in battle. It is in battle mode, and it's resisting and resisting and resisting, saying, no, I don't want to change, I don't want to change. But if our minds are not transformed, our new heart will never be able to manifest in our lifestyle. Because when the new heart is neglected, say, but Pastor Don, I thought when I came to the altar, when I came up front or in my home or wherever I was at, and I accepted Jesus, I asked him to come into my heart and ask him to change my heart. And he did that. Thank God he did that. But I want you to understand along with me today that the changing of our heart is an ongoing process. God continues to change our heart, clean up our heart, fix our heart, repair our heart. It's not something that happens just at the point of conversion because we are constantly in a heart-changing process. And in that process, our mind is in constant battle with our heart. And when the new heart is neglected, the mind assumes control through our old carnal nature which are our emotions and our intellect. 
Let me say that again. When the new heart is neglected, we go into default mode. And if I am not allowing my heart to line up with the heart of God, my mind will take over. And the old nature will come back in, and through my emotion and my intellect, I am now being controlled. Because I have not allowed the new heart to take place. You know, the best I came up with, and I, I think you'll connect with it or at least understand why I'm giving this illustration. Back in my early years, we lived on the farm and we fed pigs. And we had this phrase that we were going to go out and slop the pigs because we would take all of the scraps from the food that day and we would put them in this big old jar and we'd go out and we'd throw it into the pig pen and they'd just, they'd just come running, just snorting and snooting and just rooting and all this kind of stuff. And that was what we were doing. We were slopping the pigs. Pigs loved it. Now, you can take a pig out of a pig pen and put a nice white bow around him and put him in a nice white room sitting on a nice white couch. But the minute you put that bowl of slop in front of him, he will immediately go to it. Why? Because all we have done, we have changed the externals. We've added the bow, we've cleaned them up, we put him in a clean room, we put him on a clean couch, but nothing has been changed inside, and so therefore he reverts back to his old nature and heads for the slop. That's what happens when we uh, not allow our new heart to control our lives and therefore our mind takes over and we go back, if you will, to the old slop. And we wonder what's going on. See, there's a religious trap that we fall into. And it's this. The world has trained us to bypass our heart's conviction and operate within the realm of our mind and our emotion. We've been trained by the world to do that. If you don't believe that, just go watch some commercials. If you don't believe that, just go read some of the billboards down Peach Street, turn on your television and watch some of the commercials, and none of those commercials are saying to you, listen to your heart. They are talking to you about sensuality. They are talking to you about getting thinner. They are talking to you about getting larger. They are talking to you about having fun. They are speaking to you about all the sensualities of our life, but none of the commercials that you will see will ever be speaking to your heart. That's the training of the world. So we, we step out of that concept of the world, we come into the kingdom of God, and we're wondering what's happening. There's something not connecting here. And what is taking place, friends, is there is a new heart God is wanting to create. He says, you have taken off the old things, now put on the compassion. To have the compassion, you have to have a new heart. And therefore, this is what I'm wanting to work in you. And when we come to that place, we recognize this religious trap. We say, uh-uh. I'm going to start listening to the heart of God and not be controlled by my mind 
and my emotions. Now, what does that look like in a church, any church across America? Here's what it looks like. We have spent years and years developing our church act. You see, we come on Sunday and we talk saved. And we look saved. And we act saved. And we do saved stuff. But our hearts are far, far from the heart of God. You see, we've, we've got this thing down pat. And, and it's, it's interesting because even in the outside world, you may pass somebody on the sidewalk and you know them from your church or another church, or you'll see them, you say, hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Because that's just good church stuff. See, that's just, that's just good stuff that we've learned how to do. And I believe what God is saying to us, if we're really going to reveal Jesus, if we're really serious about loving people it has to be more than acting there has to be something working within our heart because we can never love god from an earthly level because god is eternal see i love my grandchildren and i love my children and i really love my wife in fact i love all my family but I only love them on an earthly level because that's where we operate and that's where we coexist. God is requiring a third realm love. It is a love that supersedes and goes beyond any type of earthly love that we can ever demonstrate to anyone that we are around. And what is taking place is you and I on a daily basis are trying to love God on an earthly level. And it's just not working. So we, we, we step it up a notch. We go up another level and say, God, here, here's, I, I know I've said I love you. And, and we even sing the chorus, I love you, Lord. And oh, how I love Jesus. And we've sung all of these things in our past. But God, it just doesn't seem enough. What's missing? And God's saying to us this morning, you've got to go to another level. You've got to move to another realm. Because I'm not earthly. I'm heavenly. And I'm not contained and I'm not confined to the worldly things because I'm, I'm eternal. So now we begin to move that love of God to an eternal level. And without a relationship with God, we only appreciate Him and we are only grateful for what He has done for us, yet never being submitted to His will. That's what happens with a new heart. Also, if we're really serious about this compassion thing, we're going to find out, and here it gets a little, a little tougher, but we're going to find out that compassion will always result in serving. Compassion will always result in serving. In fact, several months ago now, Pastor Jack gave us this word that he just made up. I looked it up. It's not the dictionary. So it, he just made up a word, and it fit the sermon, and it was good enough that I remembered it. It had to be good. I remembered it. And I'm bringing it back to you, and that word is compaction. It is a combination of compassion and action. Because here's what is taking place. 
Within the body of Christ, we are talking about getting in this understanding of saying to people, how may I serve you? How can I help you? See, our favorite, our favorite line in churches across America is, I'll be praying for you. That's just a cop-out. That, that, that's just a way to say, go on your way and let me do my thing. I'll be praying for you. But what if, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, something checked that new heart that we now have, and we stop that person and say, how can I help you today? So, but I, I'm afraid they might, uh, and I, I know this is, this is off the radar, and, but I'm going to say it anyway. I doubt that a lot of people are really asking to be Holy Spirit-led to help people with compassion this afternoon. Because it just may require you missing the football game. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and, and I'm not doing it to, to toot my horn, and because remember, I want to be humble. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, uh, recognized. But I had a couple who, I, I, I knew the lady, she attends her at the church, but they came in and she says, we want to get married. I love to meet with couples that are wanting to get married. And so we talked about marriage and talked about fiancé and on and on. And I said, so when's your wedding date? She said, February the 6th. What time? 5.30. Tonight, 5.30. I said, when's the reception? 6.30. What time does the Super Bowl start? 6.30. I said, well, you know, I don't always stay long <laughs> for the reception. And I understand that's going to take me out of some preliminary stuff and, you know, the wings and all this and that and the other. But there's something inside of me that said, this couple needs somebody to come along beside them and, and minister and be a part of their life and be a part of this joyous occasion. And yes, I'll do it. And, and what I'm saying is this. In fact, I'm not going to say, and I'm going I'm to tell you what Matthew said about it in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, starting at verse 26. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So when we understand compassion results in serving, we understand that whenever we forget that we've been called to serve, not to be served, the cycle of deception is in full swing. The deceitful heart does not have what it takes to be faithful to anything, whether it's God or man. So compassion will lead us to serving. Because here it is. Compassion without action is only sympathy. 
So, but I've had a lot of people, I, I really, I sympathize, I sympathize, yes, I understand. But here's the thing, compassion without action is only sympathy. And what God is saying is, if you're going to reveal Jesus, and if you're going to love people, you're going to have to take this compassion thing beyond sympathy. It's going to have to become an action. It's going to have to become an invest and invite. It's going to have to say, hey, here am I, and how can I help you, and would you care to join me, and and let's make this whole thing a great kingdom of God thing. Because the deceitful heart does not have what it takes to be faithful to anything. And, And without missing somebody this morning, just let me stop for a moment and say, There are people in this congregation who have caught this compassion thing. And they've caught on and and, and they're involved in Servere. They're taking their Saturdays or or their weekdays or their weeknights. And they're going down into the inner city. And they're they're saying, how can we help you? What can we do? And they're becoming involved. We have men in this church and ladies as well with the women's uh, prison. But we have men in this church that go to Erie County Prison every Sunday morning before they come here for service. And they sat with these men who have the sorrow, sorrow and the loneliness and the despair, and they say, let me tell you about Jesus. How can I serve you? How can I show you that God loves you and that God cares very deeply about you? We have people from time to time all throughout the year that's connected with Erie City Mission. They go down and they help serve lunches and they have Bible studies and they do all of these things with Erie City Mission because they've caught on to this compassion thing. They're learning what it means to love people. We have people within our congregation, as you well know, that, that take vacation time so they can be a part of the Royal Family Kids Camp team. And they take that vacation time that's very precious to them, and they're saying, we're going to take this week, and we're going to dedicate ourselves to showing compassion to children. Not just saying, we love you, but we're going to show you that we love you. And we're even going to take a week of our vacation to show you that we love you. See, that's serving. We have a couple here who's been doing this for several years, and today just happens to be one of the days, but Ed and Connie DeLeo the first Sunday of every month. They have our food pantry in operation for those who are less fortunate, those who are stumbling on tough times, come to our food pantry, and Ed and Connie provide them with food and sustenance for the month to help them out because they've caught on this understanding of compassion. How can I serve you? How can I be invested in your life? And I'm not saying this to, 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 to demean anyone in this congregation because I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt because it's our human nature, there are people in this building this morning that if you were to be honest, you would say, Pastor Don, I've got to be honest. I never think about anybody but myself. And even if I do, I still put myself first. But we're revealing Jesus and we're loving people. And the only way that's going to happen is to put on this robe of of compassion and let God change our lifestyle, let God change our heart, let God bring us into serving, and then compassion is the result of a renewed mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When the renewed mind lines up with the conversion that is in our heart, we become a new creation inside and out. See, it's important to understand that because sometimes we can dress up pretty well. Pastor Jason last Sunday told us that he's not a Thai kind of guy. He's just not a Thai kind of guy. I came up here today in this uh, mock turtleneck and jacket because I'm not so much a Thai kind of guy, but I'm not necessarily a blue jeans kind of guy. So I'm just kind of a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. Blah. Yeah, go ahead and say it, blah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what we array ourselves with if the thing inside of us, which is the very beating essence, heart of God, is not renewed. And when that takes place, we will have a renewed mind. People who do not have a new heart hear the truth and then start betraying themselves through deceit or reasoning. They will rationalize the truth and find reason why this is not what the Bible means. Well, I know that Pastor Don a while ago told me that the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, but with my deceit and with my reasoning, I come up with this understanding that's really not what the Bible means. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But we have this unique thinking going on in this unregenerated mind that says that, well, I have a reason for this, and I've got a reason for this, and, and I tell you, I've tried that, and none of my reasons holds up to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, because when I really get serious about it, the Holy Spirit shows me truth, and all of the reasons get knocked out of the water. So how do we do this? I believe that we do it. First of all, we just, we just start doing it. We just start doing it. And we do it through the reading of God's Word. See, the Word of God is powerful. It will energize your spirit. It will energize your heart. It will energize your soul. And it will accomplish God's will for our life. That's what happens when we catch compassion. Because the Word of God is powerful. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Word knows how to swim. When the fire in our lives are raging around us, the Word knows how to hold its breath until the fire dies out. When the wind of adversity blows, whether you've lost your job or you've lost a family member or you've some kind of a physical disease or need in your life and the wind of adversity is blowing you all over the place, the Word becomes an anchor that you can hold to in your time of need. When the sun blazes, when the heat, the pressure of life seems to surround us and overwhelm us, the Word finds shade. That's the power of the Word. So this morning as I close, I want to challenge you. Some of you are still thinking about the compassion exercise. I want to challenge you to simply do this. 
as we pray in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to just pray that with me. God, I'm asking you to forgive me because of my lack of compassion, and I want you to renew my heart and to renew my mind. And when I'm in a position where the compassion is needed, God, by your Holy Spirit, not only draw me to that, but don't let me move away from it until I've been able to help somebody. There's a southern gospel song that, that just grabbed a hold of me, and I'm not going to sing it for you. You don't want to hear it. But there's a line in there that has stuck with me, and it's kind of been my mantra in my later years of ministry. And it says this, If I can help somebody along life's troubled way, then my living will not be in vain. If I can just help somebody along the way, my living will not be in vain. I'm asking you to make this your prayer. It's on your handout. May God use us to draw the world to himself through our acts of compassion. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you today sensing that your Holy Spirit has begun to work a new and a fresh work in our heart and in our mind. Father, we are overwhelmed when we begin to think of all of the people around us, not only around the world, but in our community and our workplace and in our family, people who are lonely and despaired, people who have this sense of loss, people who do not know what to do for the next day. And Father, you've placed us in a position to show your love and your compassion to others. And I pray today, Father, that our hearts will be moved, our hearts will be touched, that that heart will be renewed, that that mind will be renewed, that we will be able to draw others to you into the kingdom through your compassion. So, Father, I pray that today will be a blessed day. I pray that today will be a new day, a new beginning, a fresh start in our lives, that everywhere we go, no matter what environment we are infiltrating today or in these coming days of the week, let us be sensitive to the needs of others and love people. Because, God, you loved us when we were unlovable. You loved us when we were so unworthy. You loved us when we were in our deepest form of sin. God so loved the world. And cannot we do that much more for those around us? Go with us today. I pray for your safety and protection. And Father, let our renewed hearts and our renewed minds bring us into a great relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. God bless you and have a great day in the Lord.